0: One hundred and eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing a Super 7 for the year 2001. Helping out. You know him. You love him. He is the best dressed band on the pod. He is Dan Sant. What's up, Dan?
1: Bet your life I'll meet a pike tonight. Who wolf me down for tea tonight.
0: <laughs> also helping out, it is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben?
2: What's going on? Nothing clever here. I don't have KRS-One saying, fresh for 2001. Although he might have done that on one of his own records. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Also, helping out, don't call him Cincinnati. It is the man known as Clevo. What's up, Clevo? What's up, guys? All right. Ben, let's shoot this to you for a 2001 State of uh, the Union.
2: Yeah, so here's what I remember. Um, the it was the year that t-shirt sizes shrunk, and all t-shirts became black. And it's also the the second wave youth crew was almost totally dead, save for the one band I can think of, the first step. And then most of that youth crew scene from that from the late '90s either mutated into like. The more fashionable chain of strength influenced bands like Carry On, Count Me Out, and American Nightmare, who were using a lot of minor fifth chord progressions and getting like dyed black mod haircuts, or youth crew kids deciding it was okay to get to play thugged out madball type stuff after all, like uh No Warning, for example. And then meanwhile, the whole bandana thrash scene that six two five Thrash Records was putting out, um, a lot of those uh, records, so that was like really taking off, or that was kind of like peak bandana thrash era. And so that when I say that, I mean like bands with flipped up hats who rode skateboards and played ultra fast hardcore. And I remember me and Todd Tyler would call that kind of music fast core, because the word thrash at that point had already sort of been reappropriated by the metal scene. So it's like you if someone self-identifies as Thrash in 2001 it's like what do you sound like anthrax? No, they're th- these are just bands that play really fast hardcore. And then of course you have In Control Over My Dead Body and Fields of Fire doing our thing. And then uh Bane was another dominant band and they were a huge influence on that future wave of mid 2000s bands that played dramatic melodic hardcore that got dubbed uh, amazing core is what people called it i it's probably a derogatory term but that came a little later but it was bane was like a bit was a big influence on all those bands and then of course you have metallic bands like throwdown who were totally huge at that time as well so it was like a very tough time for anyone who wasn't a fan of american nightmare didn't like the hyper fast shit and weren't and, and wasn't into metalcore and of course i'm talking about myself but there were still some good records coming out. And what surprised, me, what surprised me in doing this is that I found more good stuff from 2001 than when we did the, the Super 7 for the year 2000. When I was experiencing these years in real time, I could swear the year 2000 was the better year. But now that the dust has settled, I, I now uh, don't believe that to be the case. I, I had more to choose from um, for this year, for
0: 2001. Let's send it to Dan for a less salty uh, State of the Union.
1: Um, You have venues that are just filled with spirit. Uh, PCH, Che Cafe. You've got Paradox in Seattle. You've got, you know, Basements, The Kill Time in uh, Philly. You've got massive shows happening in Worcester, Mass. You've got just rooms full of kids losing their minds and loving hardcore. Um, and a whole lot of good records. I've got like 15 to 16 different bands. I'm trying to synthesize down into seven choices tonight. So it's going to be tough.
0: Clevo, what's your zoomed out take on the year 2001?
3: So, uh, a couple of just personal things. One, you know, 2001, I was working in an office, um, spent a lot of time on the mullet board, uh, and um, eBay, huge eBay explosion. So I think I was listening to a lot of collector core at that time because a lot of the a lot of records that are just totally out of everyone's price range now is were available and weren't crazy expensive, um, and were just accessible. So um, was buying a lot of like crazy old records at the time, um, listening to a lot of like older stuff. Um, but I think that. Uh, you'll see from the list, I think the tastes get a little bit diverse because as Ben was saying, like uh, bands were like kind of stretching it and you saw bands um, adopt sort of that right brigade sound. Um, but also you saw bands, um, you know, kind of mimicking different eras of, of New York hardcore, um, a couple bands. And um, one of those being stop and think uh, instead of doing the right, instead of doing that, you know, thugged out Madball thing, we, just ripped off Outburst. Uh, 2001 was a great year because that's the year uh Stop and think came to California. That's when I met Dan um, and, you know, came out to California on that demo and, and brought that, that Outburst rip off out to the West coast.
1: And we loved it.
0: Yeah. I remember this like as a, a mashup of basically what you guys all said, like Ben saying that the, like the fast core, the six thrash core stuff was at its peak is is true, but it also like falls off kind of like immediately after this. So this is like the apex, right? Like those bands start going in the late nineties. And then this is like the peak is when what happens next in life's halt, like do their U.S. tour. Also, you know, Bane really pops off in the late nineties as well. But this is when they put out their second LP, which is kind of like their classic. So like they're, they're right in there in the conversation. You also have like hope conspiracy was a huge thing at this time you know as where as well as the American Nightmare LP comes out like the seas are changing i think that Ben does a good job of explaining that um let's jump in dan can you give the rules of the super 7 as well as say the order that we're picking in
1: yes okay so we've done a, a random.org dice roll for the order which is kind of put us in a fantasy football style order where one person is going to get Pick one, which turns out to be me this time. Of course. And (laughs) and, uh, we are going to... um, I am going to pick band A. If whoever is second pick, which I believe is Clevo, right? Yes. Yeah. So if Clevo has that band on his list and does want them on his list, picking a different song by that band he is going to have to take them right then, or he is going to forfeit having them on his list entirely. Um, So imagine he chooses a different band, and then Ben, who is pick three, doesn't want that band. Ben can go back to have that first band or pick something new, and then so on and so on till we have seven song playlists each. And then later on in the week, we will have you, the beautiful and talented 185 Miles listeners vote on whose 2001 mixtape playlist you think is the best.
0: All right. Well, Dan, let's kick it off. What is the best song of 2001?
1: Okay, so I'm going to start with a band that almost completely overshadows this year. They were arguably the biggest band in the genre because they were pulling fans from all the other genres into liking them too that was the power of of their hype their expression their talent their songwriting and i'm going to go with an american nightmare song now i have two songs that i desperately want from them but i'm going to just i'm going to pick one And the reason that I'm uh, really, you know, having a tough time with it because, Zach, you and I have talked in the past um, of people thinking about song placement on vinyl instead of – especially in this heavily CD era. Um, And I think that American Nightmare do this, like, incredibly because the last song on side A and then the – the first song on side B are just middle of a CD, but they are in, in my opinion, the best two uh, songs on this LP background music. And instead of going for postmark my compass, which is an absolute, it it's in my heart. I love that song so much. I'm going with, I see you are feeling Drake. I think this song is incredible. I, I, I think the lyrics are incredible. The song title is referencing Ian Curtis you are feeling Nick drake aka you are sad. <laughs> think of the two saddest singers ever and Wes might join them in this convo but um the it it's very good but the lyrics are really cool because I mean all all American nightmare lyrics are very poetic yes they got bastardized by so many other bands trying to do it so it it almost sullies them a little bit but when you actually just read them again or if you have the you know the deathbeds book or something like that you can just really appreciate like how amazing they are and this is a song that is kind of railing against people Doing hardcore for the wrong reasons, but in such a beautiful poetic way. Um, I absolutely love it. The breakdown is incredible. Um, the breakdown comes along and it is like smashing, almost like a Cro Mags part. And it's the lyrics on it like ambition, sorry, but I have none. I'm just a confused kid with the masses telling me to join tradition. I, I love it. This song is incredible to me. This album is is the you know the one that over overlooks all of 2001 in my opinion and uh i I couldn't do 2001 without one of those two songs i mentioned and i ended up picking i see you are feeling drake
0: yeah you know floor punch kind of brings back like the chromex love into like the the youth crew revival genre and then the genre that comes after which is like the american nightmare the carry-on shift all that like the Chromex stuff is like behind all like the, the artsy youth crew esque stuff. It's in there. Like it's in the pulse. Yeah. Um, Clevo, are you going to take an American nightmare song or, uh, all right, (laughs) well, let's do it. Um,
3: I am going to take actually not from, not from the background music LP, but from the, the sun's not getting any brighter seven inch, which also comes out in 2001. Uh, I'm going to take, there's a black hole in the shadow of the Peru um so yeah so the black hole in the shadow of the pru um a lot of personal reasons um the 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 black hole that is in the shadow of the pru refer is wes is referring to mission hill which is a neighborhood that we all lived in at the time um and i think when we did the boston super seven um someone can throw that episode number in there but uh I think when we did the Boston Super 7, I talked about, like, I see American Nightmare really as a time and place thing for myself. And that's just, you know, totally personal. Um, but, you know, that was... The song just really makes me think about that time and place. Um, and again, you know, Wes with the lyrics. Uh, the best lyric, I think, in here is, uh, if love was a bridge, you'd be the one in the Fens. And I think I brought this up last time, but uh, the bridge in the Fens is there's this bridge uh, that goes over this like just shitty dirty water like Little Creek or whatever Um, and uh, fun fact um, AZ was paid a bunch of money to jump off of that bridge and actually got really hurt because there was no like really no water underneath it had to miss work and like lost his job so whatever they paid him to jump into the filthy water totally like did not add up to how much like he actually lost Um, so just like little shit like that just this song makes me think about that time.
0: That's awesome. It's a, it's a ripper too. Yeah, Dan, you love both oh. these you love both the seven inches leading into the LP as well.
1: Oh yeah. Very much so. Um the this seven inch is where Wes ramps it up into full shredded vocal core that you love, Zach. Um from the first from the first seven inch he's, you know very pissed and very, you know, aggressive, but this is where it goes like Like, to the shredded core that you love?
3: You know, I don't think that it's so much that it's the West vocals, because the West vocals do, like, take a jump. But I think it's more, and and this is just from, you know, just um, thinking about the songs. But the first American Nightmare 7-inch, like, one of the songs on there was actually a song that we had written in Ten Yard Fight that, that Tim took to American Nightmare. So I think that while Wes's lyrics stand out so much, um, and they are a little bit crazier than, than, you know, like we were when we were in 10 yard fight. Um, I think that this seven inch and then into the LP and then everything they do after that is the music gets a little bit more spastic. Um, and I think there's maybe a little bit of a, you know, San Diego influence on the music, um, just really it really set from that seven inch it really starts to set itself apart from 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 you know just like a straightforward like proto youth crew like sort of formulaic band into this thing that's why all those people like lost their shit when this record came out.
0: I think that's an important thing to mention too for like all the people that don't know out there of why we talk about like kind of the turning of the tides at this time frame is because Tim is moving from 10 yard fight to doing American nightmare. Also Wes was a roadie for 10 yard fight when he came out to the West coast and he's singing for this band. So there is like a real transition out of like the 10 yard fight to the American nightmare where like you have, you know, 10 yard fight being like a, a flag waving band for like that youth crew revival. And then it going here and it's like, the tides are really changing. Do you think that's fair Clevo?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I'm trying to think because I, I was talking to, to to Jesse today a little bit because we, we I was like trying to ask him like if what he remembered from 2001 he was talking about like he was Jesse was still an American Nightmare at this point um, you know they had the revolving door of drummers um, coming before like Jared and then Alex Garcia Rivera kind of settled in um, but so they they still had sort of that you know like like total hardcore kids in the band. I think that Wes just being the front man, his diverse tastes just really takes it that step beyond.
0: That's well, awesome.
1: And also I feel like Tim starts employing the noise gate, like yeah. to, to ring out like while they're tuning and stuff and a whole like noisy, like unsettling nature that, wouldn't really be heard in a youth crew band is achieved. Yeah, and I think that comes
3: from probably playing with and around Caven. That was like Caven was doing that, you know, late 90s, like around, you know, when, like when Until Your Heart Stops comes out. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like totally their thing. Um, So I'm sure Tim just copped it from them.
0: But again, yeah, you sure. like bringing something in from uh, like a, an adjacent genre into like that straightforward yeah. thing. Um, Ben, are you going to take an American Nightmare song and keep us going, or are you you breaking this?
2: Dude, I'm going to leave West Isold, and I'm going to travel to the West Coast. <laughs> I'm picking a carry-on song. That's right. Um, Rethinking. And by the way, I had no idea oh, anyone oh, ever oh. called Homeboy West Coast until like, like a year ago. I don't remember hearing that back then. Um, But Carry On, Rethinking, this is the last song on the last Carry On record, and what a way to go out. This is my favorite song they ever did. People seem to like Off My Chest the most, but this is the best song. And their guitarist, Jordan Johnson, passed away about a year before this album was recorded. And if you listen to the Corey Williams episode of 185 Miles South, he talks a lot about Jordan and so I highly recommend going back and listening to that. Um, the first five seconds of this song before the vocals come in were written by Jordan, and it's his sole contribution to the LP. So that makes this song even more special to me. And the lyri- the lyrics and the, the parts are so good. It's like how I described Et Tu Brute by Siv as being like the repo man of songs where they're just all these quotable parts throughout the whole song. I think this song is like that too. You know how uh, Ryan's like, um, you know, there was a time and it's coming back, back where I look at someone like you and know we're the same because we're the fuck ain't same. Like shit, like that. It's like every time I listen to this song, I get hyped. It's perfection.
0: Thoughts on this? Yes, it's a great LP. You know, timeless. It holds up. It's awesome. Dan, you love this LP?
1: Absolutely love it and. This was one of my choices that Ben has swooped. Although, I, much like my last AN pick, it was like one or the other. So I've got the other still in my, in my quiver. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. And I, I think Ben, you know, gave, did it justice. So you're saying you
0: would, would have picked exist? this song?
1: Quite possibly. Okay. Okay. The other People- one is up there too. Clevo,
0: do you want to speak on this or should I pick?
1: Uh,
3: No, I, I, um, you know, kind of just echoing what everyone else said. uh, I think that, you know, (sighs) Jesse came back from the West Coast uh, with American Nightmare um, and was like, yo, I saw this band, Carry On. They sound like Ripe Brigade. Um, And then so they kind of, you know, from between like Roll With the Punches to this, they also kind of took that maybe, you know, added a little bit of the American nightmare spice on top of what they were doing with roll
0: with the punches. Um, and it, it works for sure. Uh, my first pick, I am going to take, uh, kill your idols funeral for a feeling. And this is kill your idols. on like, God, it's like their second LP, I believe at the time. And they'd done a bunch of EPs before, but kill your idols is a band that has so many fucking songs, you know, but sometimes like, they have these special perfect songs there that are like just untouchable. And it's like Andy's voice being so monotone and and why they got compared to like negative approach or whatever, like sitting on top of these songs where they're fast and melodic just sounds so magical to me. And this is like a perfect example of that. It's like that weird tinge of sadness over melody. It's just, I don't know. It sounds very like just nostalgic to me. And uh, this is a banger the chorus is awesome with like the shouted, like the shouted chorus. And then the lead on this or the solo is like out of this world. It does like the iron maiden shit that I love where it's like you play it once and then like, it goes and does like the same thing in like the higher octave, which is just like a heavy metal trope that never gets old, but here it is in like a perfect hardcore punk song. So yeah, my choice is uh killer idols, the song funeral for a feeling off the LP of the same name came out on side one dummy. And uh, yeah, Dan, how do you feel about this?
1: I echo what you say about the way Andy's voice can ride over this stuff um, and not distract, just add to. Also, he has kind of like, yeah, I mean, there are people that say antidote or or negative approach or whatever, but he's kind of got a bit more nasal in there but kill your idols ultimate road dog band but that still put out great records you know love
0: them yeah clevo how do you feel about this
1: kill your idols is a band that um you know they're
3: they're they're a solid band there's just a band that never clicked with me and i don't think i really listened to them too much but you know played with them a bunch of times you, you know saw them um but never just really like dove into the records
0: Right on. Dan, you going to keep us going with Kill Your Idols or are you going to pick something else?
1: I'm going to go... They're on my... Well, the song you just chose is on my honorable mentions. Um, But I'm going to have to go with... God, there's two songs selected for this band as well. Um, I'm going with A Day in the Life by No Warning. Um this kicks off the seven inch that came out this year. It's opens with a mosh that is just chef's kiss <laughs> mosh part like. And I love Ben Cook's vocals in this band. Love, love, love them. I love that he does somewhat halfway between Freddie Madball and and Ian Mackay on the singy song parts. Um you know, it's got a little bit of little friend, but it's got a little bit of um hold it down going for it. Um I think No Warning were one of those bands that they were so good that it made me like a band that potentially had not nice people in it. <laughs> That's how good the music was. <laughs> like I had to really love it. Even though, you know, they were like trying to fight Chris Corey and, and whatever, like all of that shit. And I was just like, man, this is too fucking good to not be fully into it. So a day in the life by no warning. I almost picked my world, which I I say the mosh part on my world is like George Thorogood mosh. <laughs> it's like so bad to the bone mosh part, but it's so sick but A Day in the Life steals the show for me. It's such a good fucking song.
0: Yeah, the the first half of this song is like straight up apex, straightforward hardcore. You know, starting out with like the ring outs over like the youth crew beat and then switching like to the hi-hat when the palm meeting comes in. It's like the ultimate hardcore trope that just works when you wrote a riff this good. And then coming in when the singing comes in, it's just like you can picture the crowd like surging towards the front. This song's great. Uh, my only knock on no warning, not to keep it 100% positive, but a little bit of long song syndrome going on here. You know, it's like if they would have cut this, you know, cut a third off this, I think it would have been like a near perfect song. Clevo, how do you feel about this? And are you going to take a uh, no warning song or are you going to choose something else?
3: I'm going to choose something else. Um, no warning. Uh, we played with them a lot around the time the 7-inch came out. Um, you know, and I, I, I like the songs a lot then I haven't really revisited them in a long time But I will say my lasting memory of them Because Dan, you say like maybe not nice people making good music uh, We played a show with them uh, somewhere in Mass near the beach And we were like, yeah, we're going to go to the beach And they came to the beach and they smoked cigarettes sitting on a picnic table So that's kind of all That's like what I think about when I think about No Warning is Dudes you take to the beach who sit around and smoke cigarettes Instead of like enjoy the beach
2: Um, (laughs) 2001 in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
3: All right. uh, My pick for my next song um, is Cookie Cutter Politics, also known as CCP by Shark
1: Attack. Sick.
3: Um, You know, I had said earlier that like Collector Core and a lot of old records were really available. Um, And I I think that, you know, Mm when we think about 2001 we 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 think about american nightmare quite a bit and sort of stretching things like like in in newer directions but there was a lot of you know um you know and i think thanks to the mullet board there was a lot of talk you know we talked about the cromags antidote outburst and bands like that and and you know um a band like shark attack with you know summers matt smith fat rich and then you know eventually zach um you know, went on to be in no warning or no warning affiliated. Um, Those dudes like new hardcore and, you know, they, they put together this band that, you know, just sounded like that early eighties raw, straightforward, fast, pissed off hardcore.
0: Yeah. It's so good. And it was like a real force at the time, like at least online. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know if they were huge, huge in person. But, like, they were like the internet band at the time. And the Seven Inch rules everything about it. Like, the name I mean, for a, a short, fast hardcore band, the name Shark Attack is perfect. You know, Shark Attack Blood in the Water. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. The art matches and all the songs back it up. So, it's super ill. What do you think about this? Dan, you're going to hit a song at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. There's uh-huh. a, a song that I'm going to choose that will be the best mosh part on the entire <laughs> 28 song playlist. Um, <laughs> It's really interesting, like uh what Clevo stated. I think this is a perfect synthesis of breaking down what '99 to 2003 were, because of eBay and the internet. Uh, you know, people actually uploading some things. Is you got to hear records that were only spoken of, and then bands got to base their entire life about it. And now, look at it, twenty you know 20 years later there are bands that are we're basing our entire sound around one riff on one demo (laughs) you know what i mean so it's come a little bit further in deep referential core but that's what you know some of this i mean there was the twin towers i think of of core at the time which was um bridge nine and indecision you know east and west and what bands were popping up on the B9 thing were, were um, definitely um, nailing their colors to the mast of, of what they sounded like. And I think Shark Attack is pure AF core.
0: <laughs> ben, did you ever get
1: into this band?
2: No, I didn't. And I, I think of them more as as negative approachy than, than AF-y. But yeah, I mean, it's all the
1: same ballpark. I, I, I hear that, Ben. I, I definitely, agree. yeah, it could be that one point five between the two bands. I mean, I think
3: it's, I think it. If you took AF negative approach and antidote and put it into a blender, that's the shark yeah. attack would come out.
1: Well, the interesting
2: thing that I didn't realize until maybe a year ago is that shark attack and knife fight, knife fight came the next year. They two thousand two, I think, they, is when they yep. started. They, they, I want to say Matt Smith played, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck this up, but maybe Matt Smith played in Knife Fight very, very briefly. And somehow both bands ended up with the same song, but different lyrics and a different title for the song. And um, someone pointed that, someone's like, how can you like Knife Fight? And not like Shark Attack. They even have a song that's literally the same song. And I texted John Westbrook. I'm like, is this true? And he's like, yes. And I listened to them back to back. I'm like, oh my God, it is true. How can I like one band and not the other when they're so, 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 and they really are similar. And And I still like Knife.
1: What was that? (laughs) Uh I said Matt Smith can really write a mosh part for both. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's, I think that's part
3: of part of you know what make what sets Shark Attack apart too is that Matt wrote good songs. Like it's one thing to be like we're gonna we're gonna sound like AF or we're gonna sound like Antidote, but to like to actually write a string of interesting songs because because this record comes out in two thousand one and the Feeding Frenzy demo comes out in two thousand one also. So it's like Shark Attack's entire recorded output is in this one year and i would argue that any any one of the songs they recorded could end up on this playlist
0: yeah because they write like this catchy old school shit but like the keyword is that it's catchy like they're writing good hooks in like brutal hardcore songs
3: and and matt's matt's got a good voice on record too i th- I think that i think that helps it too like summers
0: yeah 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 agreed all right ben apparently you're not going to take a shark attack song so what are you taking?
2: Huh. Um, I'm going to go with the, the intersection in the city of Seattle of Harrison and Broadway. I'm talking about Champion Harrison and Broadway, the first song on the first EP, the come out swinging EP. Um, the CD was on Fight Records. The 7-inch was on Platinum Recordings out of Germany, and it was all reissued in 2003 by Bridge Nine. Um, This is by far my favorite song by Champion, and it always has been. And I went almost 20 years without listening to it, and maybe six months ago I went back to it, and it's even better than I remember. Uh, Co-written by original guitarist Tim McIntosh, who quit the band mid-tour when Champion and Fields of Fire did the West Coast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This song does that turning point thing so much better than most of the other bands that who have attempted it since. Um and then it, it the way it opens, it's just, it just starts. It's just like summer's air. And it's just like the fast beat and everyone's playing all at the same time. And it's such a rad opening line and the song just hits the ground running. And it's got these cool, like really fast like stops with with the harmonics bling, you know. Um, it it's like so this sound has it's really hard to get it get it good, and they just do it so well on this song. And I actually texted uh, Posy Chris, a friend of the pod who is on a lot of uh, episodes, about asking him what the significance of the intersection of Harrison and Broadway was or is and he said Harrison and Broadway was the corner of a spot called Broadway Market which was kind of the meetup spot back in the day before it got gentrified to hell and he said the song is just kind of about summer in the northwest it's not like California where it's summer all year round there is a very finite amount of summer days maybe two months in total where you just got to cram as much hangouts and make as many memories as you can hold on to throughout the cold, dark, dreary, rainy rest of the year. And I said, that's so emo. And he's all
0: Seattle is an emo place. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Shout out Pauzy Chris. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dan, did you like go the whole ride with Champion? You like him from the beginning to the end?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, on the strength of them being amazing songwriters and amazing people, you know.
0: Sam's Uno.
1: Well, true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing you bring up, Tim, in playing in Champion, Ben, because initially, like, they kind of got a little rub off that and they were kind of popular out the gate because it was like, oh, Tim's in the band, you know, although he didn't stay around long.
2: Yeah. Trial was a big deal. They were a big deal.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and Trial kind of like broke up, like, right at their peak. Like, they just put out that LP. They only came down to like Southern California one time off it and broke up. So then, like that this is where he pops up, it gave him a nice rub, and then I think after that, they started like to write songs good enough on their own that people were like, "Okay, this band is legit and doesn't need like a an ex member to carry the weight,
1: yeah, and I think uh they were regarded a little bit amateurish before Tim joined the band, like I think Chris will even say like their first output of their very first demo wasn't as uh." or the songs they were writing before Tim joined and he, he showed them like no no let's work on this let's work through these riffs and then they somewhat outgrew him a little bit on the after the fact and when it was Chris and Aram writing the riffs and and stuff it you know they kept going from strength to strength
0: all right well i am going to take what is my absolute favorite song of the year and that is the band faded gray, the title track off the LP and my two title tracks in a row. I am. Maybe I'll keep that going. We'll see. But uh, yeah, the song quiet time of desperation, the first song on side B and one of the reasons why we started doing side a side B's the B side of this LP is one of my favorite pieces of hardcore in like the history of hardcore. It's like one of those things. Like I almost like want to hug it. You know, I love it that much. Like, But this song starts with like a little effect, you know, where the guitar is all quiet, then it kicks. And it's like this band, you know, Dan doesn't like when I use the metaphor of like the marshmallow roasting and almost falling off the stick. But like, now I love it. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we've come around because this band does that so many times. Like they go into like either super melodic stuff or super like emo stuff. Like they're just pushing like the boundaries of what I can take. You know, it's like if they went one step further, I'd be like, uh, you know, but like they just, they tickle me in the right spot, dude. I love it. And this song is absolutely perfect. It's like, uh, you know, we've talked to them a lot. It's like melodic hardcore, but Lance has like this very monotone voice, but it somehow sounds like sincere and not monotone mostly because he holds out like the last word of the lines. Da, ba, da, da, ba, da, 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 da. Like that. it's great. And then this thing has like the ultimate like breakdowny part. It's not like a mosh part, but like the guitarist in this band is so skilled. It's like, and it's like the way that the drummer like does the rhythms on it, like it kicks in and he's like on the cymbal. And I think maybe there's no bass or something. And then like it switches the hi-hat and like they add another guitar track like doing the ring out notes and then the scene comes in and it's like oh my god it's like apex emotional hardcore you know and like maybe the only example of one i actually like that but i love it so much it's great it's my favorite song of the year for sure uh a quiet time of desperation off the lp quiet time of desperation indecision records 2001 what's up ben you like this band
2: hell yeah Uh, I love this band. And uh, you're right about the guitarist. He is incredible. Uh, They were in a band called – him and Lance were in a band called Tomorrow's Gone together just before Faded Gray. And I guess it was Faded Gray that I saw at the PCH. And they did like one of those Dag Nasty songs that has a ripping solo in it. And he played every note exactly correct. Like, God damn, this guy's good. Um, But – it's interesting how I was saying earlier that Bane was a big influence on like those mid two thousands. What is they called? Amazing core bands, and those those were like hyper dramatic melodic hardcore. And like you have Faded Gray at the same time as Bane playing pretty dramatic and definitely melodic hardcore. But their style of it doesn't end up becoming the sound of you know the mid two thousands. So um, I don't know why that is I actually at this point in my life, prefer it to Bane. So
0: whatever, shout out Faded Gray. Well, I think there's a couple things. I think that Bane, like they lean into the groove a little more. And then also like Bane were road warriors and they brought it live. Like, even if you didn't like Bane, if you saw Bane live, you'd be like, fuck that band is something special. It'd be like, I don't know if, if you don't like terror and you go see terror, it's like you walk away and be like, damn, that band kicks ass. You know, like they bring it and they just pounded the pavement over and over that they like, they had to be a force, right? They were there. And like we said, like Bane, this is 2001 is like their second LP, you know, and they had already done the three seven inches before the first LP. Like this is, they are such a well-oiled machine at this point. Like they're ready to take over the world. They're one of the best bands in the world. So Dan, do you want to speak on Fade Grey?
1: Yeah, um, I I never was ever disappointed seeing them. I was always just unbelievably impressed. I think this LP, um, as it gets to the end of side A and goes into side B, just just really revs up and is incredible. Um, My pick is next, right? Correct. And... God, like they're on my list, but you just talked them up so well that maybe it's creating room. No, I have to have it. I'm going the emo solution, faded gray. Oh. Yeah. Guess who had that on their <laughs> list? <laughs> so this song is lyrically incredible and it goes with the the musicianship. And the the um, tone of the music, and then especially as it gets to the near the end, you know where you'd like to think that you're the only one who's ever hurt, but we've all had sand thrown in our face and received a mouthful of dirt, and then it goes to you know like in Abraxas, how it, it kicks to double time. It kicks into almost like a double time here, and and Lance gets like really like he hits a more punchy style of vocal, and it's like so climb on out of your rut or get buried alive, you know. And it it gets upbeat where the song gets upbeat, and it it's such a fucking amazing message. Um, if I know there's lots of the one eight five listeners that are gonna just. Read the lists and then you know just pass judgment because they like one or two songs that they recognize. Please go to the playlist and experience these because if some of you have never heard Faded Gray, you really should dive in because it's gonna make your life so much better,
0: yeah. And also, like the song I choose and the song that Daniel chooses, like pull up the lyrics if you don't have them because Lance is just an amazing lyricist. Like on this song that Dan chose, like That song, or the line when it's like, I've seen my peers lose their drive, and I've heard my heroes telling lies. Like, oh my god, dude. It's like such a nice, we love when newer bands ether old bands, you know, but this is like them ethering them in like kind of a nice but still savage way. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. I love it. Evo, did you ever get in this band?
3: So, you know, I don't really have anything to add about Faded Gray because um, it's kind of crazy that even 20 years ago, like, being so connected to the internet that this just never came on my radar. So a band that was on Indecision, a label that I knew, you know, on, like, being connected to the internet and, like, you know, play like, like, you know, being pretty, like, finger on the pulse of what's happening – I've honestly never heard this. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited from your two descriptions of, of these songs. I'm really excited to check this out. Cause it's, se- it seems like it'd be right up my alley.
0: All right. Well, we expect a text tomorrow by 11 a.m. Eastern time <laughs> with your review of these two songs. All right. <laughs> All right, Cleveland, let's go to you for your number three.
3: Number three. Um, okay. A couple of different ways I'm going to go. Um, but, uh, really want to give give uh, some props to this, so I'm going to take the song Ready to Die for, by Striking Distance from the album March to Your Grave. Um, I think Striking Distance, um, you know, um, really, you know, East Coast um, focus, I don't know necessarily like how far around the country they got um, touring, but um, really another band that played hard hardcore punk um with 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 good lyrics and just catchy songs and uh, just this lp is great um uh this song especially um it's about addiction i I think dave bird actually posted uh who this song was about last week um just kind of talking about addiction um you know dave bird being a lifer like skater still going to shows still still loves hardcore punk to this day um just like the song just really kind of has it all for me um it's it's got fast parts it's got a good mosh part um it's got leads that aren't over the top ostentatious that like, really truly add to the song um yeah it's just really 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 great song
0: who's it about kicks ass
3: um some dudes that dave bird knew that you know
2: Succumb to addiction.
0: There you go. And Ben, don't try to put people on blast, dude. Come on.
2: No, he mentioned it. You brought it up. That's why I wanted to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This band rules. The Seven Inch Rules, they were one of the best bands we saw this year when In Control and Fields of Fire toured in the year 2001. And good God, this LP must have come out at like the end of the year. It wasn't out at that time. Like only their Seven Inch was out. I thought that this was 2002. That's uh, 2001 so i'm kind of tripping
3: so discog says 2001 spotify no. says 2002 i'm almost positive it's 2001
0: hey let's roll with it i'm down and this this record rules you know i i love it there's two songs on here that i can take and uh but ben you're gonna take striking distance or uh you go in your own way
2: I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go my own way, like No Effects covering uh, Fleetwood Mac
0: with Bad Religion.
2: I, I'm literally gonna go my own way because my next pick is Skatepunks Punks by Fields of Fire uh, from the <laughs> Keep It Alive CD, Fight Records, and later on the Shut Up and Skate seven inch comp on Element Records, two thousand two. Uh, so Zach has talked about how Retaliate is the best on almost every episode. So I'm gonna you know at least do this mini flex and say i wrote one of the seven best songs of one year within one genre of music i think i don't know if that makes me arrogant but like that's pretty specific like i i feel like i'm allowed to do that um i knew people that heard this song were going to like it when i made it up and it was probably just inspired by listening to a lot of 7 seconds and of course riding a skateboard and that's that's kind of all i have to say about it i mean uh, not that many bands were doing woes at that point. Although I have another another um, song with woes in it in, in my uh, in my playlist that w- that we'll get
0: to soon. It's not even the best song on this record. The um, Keep It Alive song is better. Than
2: oh, Keep It Alive! Yeah, I guess I could have gone that way. I don't know. I like skate punks. I like them both. You're right. I, I could go either way.
0: Dan, skate punks or Keep It Alive? Come on,
1: skate punks. <laughs> We made him play it twice at the Che. That's right. <laughs> if this was on Spotify, it would have been on my list and not my honorables. Get it on Spotify, Ben.
0: Yeah, Ben, what's up shout with that?
1: Out, shout out number one bastard rocking the bass on this.
0: Yeah, dude. Shout out Jamie and Graham. And uh, Ben, why is this not on Spotify? What the fuck? Um,
2: I don't know. I mean, my next four picks aren't on, aren't on Spotify either. Oh no, no, I take that back. <laughs> 3 of my next four picks aren't on Spotify either. Um I guess it's we were talking about this before we started recording where like you have like the classic era of hardcore where they're like, you know, we got to throw the bad brain shit up on Spotify, of course. And then you have newer like stuff that's happened within the last 10 years with the advent of streaming where it's like you automatically put a new record that comes out up on Spotify, but then you have that like that, that dead period kind of late nineties, early two thousands where you really have to like motivate yourself to put stuff on Spotify. Cause you know, it's not going to get a ton of clicks. I don't know.
0: Well, that was a lame excuse <laughs> and uh, moving on. All right. So I am going to take the best hardcore song of the year. That uh, is not that faded gray song. And it is. Oh, fuck. You know, I'll save this for later because you know you guys are going to take it. Uh, I will take. I'm going to take the Ringworm song, Take Back What's Ours, off their Birth Is Pain LP, came out on Victory Records that year. This is like a straight up perfect Ringworm song. And it's like they're a band that never misses. Like all the LPs are super solid. They're probably the most underrated band. Band Under the Hardcore Umbrella, I think. And this song is absolutely perfect. So if you are not in love with Ringworm, listen to this song, and I think you'll get it. It's a great entry point. Of course, their LP, The Promise, is like the classic that gets name-checked. But this is a great LP for 2001. And again, they've never fallen off. They made my 2014 list, and uh, I love all their records. But this song, it starts like with like that... That mid tempo double kick, which is so like ringwormy, and then it drops straight into a big mosh, and then it comes out into like what's basically Apex ring- Ringworm, which is like a like a catchy metal up tempo riff. This like mid tempo and over like a fast double kick, and like it is so sick, dude. And then the verses drop and they kind of get bouncy, and then it goes back to like that riff again, and then it drops to another verse. So it's like there's no chorus on this song which is so wild and awesome. And it's like, they always just keep you on your toes with their songwriting. It's like never boring. And then this song has an amazing solo on it. It's not like a throwaway hardcore solo, which, you know, most bands, their solos are, they're terrible, you know, in hardcore, but like these dudes can shred. And this is like apex heavy metal solo. I absolutely love it. This song is perfect. I am taking take back. What's ours off birth is pain. And, uh, yeah, Clevo. You might take a Ringworm song, but how do you feel about this LP overall?
3: Uh, I'm not going to take a Ringworm song, but um this uh yeah, this LP uh you know, a lot of people um really, you know, when when they talk about Ringworm, they talk about the demo and the and the promise only. And you know, people need to branch out. Um I I I definitely have listened to this way more. Uh probably in the past year or so. Um, You know, just cause like constantly going to, to the promise and whatever, and, and have been listening to more of the newer ringworm stuff. And they're just, they just don't let up. They're just a great band and they have a, they, they have their sound and
0: they
1: do it and they do it well.
0: Hell yeah. Dan, you going to take a ringworm song or what is your number four?
1: I'm not, but what I will say is, um, this is a band that in this time kind of came out of the shadows again and reestablished themselves as, you know, the greats. Um, this was a really strong comeback for them. Not that, not saying that they'd ever, like, fallen off or anything, but this was, you know, around the time 100 Demons and things like that, Ringworm were like, don't forget us, <laughs> you know anyway so what am i on pick f- four
0: number four
1: can we can we do 10 <laughs> please
0: <laughs> I, I I wish.
1: How i'm gonna get these in here
0: well the striking distance thing fucked me because <laughs> i thought that was 2002 i didn't even have it like on my big long list which i was already trying to whittle down from like 15
1: <laughs> just uh save them for when we do 2002 and then just jam it in there
0: <laughs> i think that's what i'll do
1: <laughs> yeah i think, <laughs> think that works um, okay I'm gonna go with um since we've discussed him I won't need to wax poetic forever but I am gonna talk about carry on and I'm gonna talk about the song broken strings now this has an amazing like vocal cadence um the lyrics are really cool because it's talking about hardcore as a, as a, you know, like if you listen to common, I used to love her or, you know, songs that reference hip hop as a, as a woman or as a person, this is like the hardcore version and it's, it's fucking great. And it's uh, talking about, basically falling out of love with hardcore and also um looking accusingly of people getting into the parts that that you know in the fuck california times um that's referencing carry on like being disenfranchised by metalcore in socal or self <laughs> self-appointed disenfranchisement um this song's really great and it has such a fucking amazing like two-step mosh part that is just incredible musicianship shout out to Corey, shout out to todd um for the playing on this and you know lucas and and basically everyone like uh, ryan kills it on the vocals it's I absolutely love carry on, and I love this song, and uh, I love that it is a signpost for the for the way Ryan was, you know, about to vacate, and it, <laughs> you know, the lyrics really point to that, and it's a an very interesting thing to be hidden under nuance, you know, that real feelings of of that a demonstrated. And I I love when you can look back at a band and see that, you know, real thought was going into the lyrics about what was going on in their lives at the time. So, Broken Strings, was, carry on.
0: Was this a song that was on that, like it was on a sampler that came out before the LP? I
1: think so. I think it, it does, was on that. It
0: has like a little lead on like the verse.
1: Yeah, and it yeah. It, it does the... The
0: last line is like,
1: I love the way she sang in my headphones.
0: Yeah, I think this is the best song on the record, in my opinion. But what do I know? All right. Uh, Clevo, you taking a carry-on song, or are you picking something else?
3: I'm picking something else. <clears throat> um, I'm going to take from the Cleanse EP the song The Bait by Byrne um this is a song that uh was around when you know around the time of of the first seven inch um you go back and watch videos they play this this song is just a fucking jammer i don't know how it didn't end up on either on either of the seven inches um but they did they did record it when they got back together uh to do to do this to do this EP in the early 2000s they're playing shows um Vic was playing guitar with them for a minute um and and they still they still brought it um I don't know if anyone has seen Burn in recent years but Chaka's voice just isn't what it used to be but in 2001 he still had it and, and this song fucking the tribal the tribal drum beats um and just Chaka just yelling over it it's got that off-kilter kind of funky timing. Um it one of their best songs, hands down.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh where it went at some point, they were doing burn and they wanted to have me on and and talk burn, like the later stuff on a Patreon. So I did all my homework and then they never did the episode. <laughs> but but I do remember that like this song was the one that's like, oh my god, of the post two seven inch catalog and the comp songs, like this is like the like late burn song. I didn't realize it was an old one.
3: So the two songs that they had in their repertoire, you know, way back when the bait was one of them. And then, uh, another, another track that was great. Uh, you can't stop me, which I think is on the last bridge nine record, but go back and watch videos of them playing, playing those songs. Um, they're just, they're just great. Especially like old, like Ritz or CB's videos. Cause people just fucking go nuts for them.
0: Dan, do you um, like any of, of the burn stuff post the two seven inches?
1: Um to be honest, I have never I've never given it its due diligence. Um when they started coming back around at this time, I I was in the height of being a snooty <laughs> oh, we don't need you coming back type for not just in regarding burn, in regarding like lots of you know combat stuff. I was nose held high in the air, uh kind of slightly douchey. So I've never really checked it out. So I'm excited to really fully dive in.
0: Yeah, this song rips. This this record is not very good in my opinion, unfortunately. Because I love Burn and I had this and sold it. But uh because you know if they would have put out a pretty good record, you know, this year when Bane is like name checking the fuck out of them. Like, they had, like, kind of every opportunity for, like, a second huge resurgence. Yeah, I think that's um, a great
3: point. When when they came back and played those shows, I actually, AJ, me, and Bedard drove down to Philly, New Jersey, to see him. And watching Bedard watch Burn is almost as good as watching Burn. Like, oh. that dude was just, like, in heaven.
0: Yeah, I saw him. The only time I ever saw him was probably five years ago in L.A. on, like, the last Bane tour. and or whenever that was that, like the years kind of run together recently. But uh, I thought they were still amazing live. Like I absolutely loved it. I was in, in awe, but I would have, I would have loved to see, but hard hard seeing them. You must've been on the other side of the stage. Ben, you were trying to say something.
2: Oh yeah. I liked this out. Uh, EP. I got it when it came out. Um, I actually was going to pick the song decay off of this EP as one of my picks today. And then I realized they actually had recorded that song originally for that forever seven inch comp um, in 1990. And I thought, "Eh, I mean, it's a song from 1990. It's, it almost feels like cheating. If I just pick the 2001 version of a, of a 1990 song. So, so I, so I left it alone, but, but I, yeah, I think the bait and decay are the two best songs on this.
3: And decay, the, the recording of decay on cleanse is nowhere near the, the earlier one, the earlier one, it sounds like the world is ending like Gavin just yelling shit in the background. Um Yeah. The bait. This is like the only, this is the only like official release of this song. Um, You know, so I, I, I feel no guilt.
0: <laughs> right. I respect both your moves, Ben. I, I agree that I don't think that would have been proper, like using that. Cause it did come out on the comp, you know, but uh I respect Clevo's move taking this cause it hadn't come out and it is a killer track. Everyone check it out on the playlist. And we should just say, There is a playlist for every episode. You can go to 185milesouth.com, click that playlist link at the top of the page, and you can check out the music that we talk about on every episode. Ben, it sounds like you're not going to take a Burn song, so (laughs) what are you taking as your number four?
2: Um, This is a band I mentioned in the intro that I did. Um, The First Step from North Carolina, the song is As It Is from Demo 2001, which was a self-released cassette. And then the 7-inch came out on Live Wire Records also in 2001. Um, to me, these guys are to the early 2000s what mouthpiece was to the early 90s. They were keeping the youth crew sound alive during a very lean time for that style. And so if you like Youth of Today or Instead, I can't imagine you that you would dislike this band. They're right in that lane. And these guys were the real deal. I mean, they weren't wearing costumes or playing this kind of music because it was cool to do, because clearly it wasn't since they were one of the only bands doing it at that point. And they really reaped the rewards of their hard work later on in the decade. They became like a pretty big deal, like mid to late two thousands. And, um, I got nothing but love for these guys. And, um, I like the, I was trying to think of like what eighties band, this song in particular reminds me of the most. And I couldn't I couldn't nail it down. I think they really are just kind of an amalgamation of all that kind of instead meets all those late eighties Rev bands.
0: Yeah, it sounds so familiar, but it's hard to to nail it down. And this band came out to the West Coast, I feel like, so many times. You know, and Ben, that's a good thing you said about how they caught on later. And they put out like more songs later, but in this early iteration of the first step, like they do not have that many songs. It's like, they came out and played like the same six or seven songs, like three years in a row, like two or three times a year, you know, but they were so ill live and really did fill in like that gap, you know, (laughs) from like the, the changing tides. Like they were still like rocking that 97 sound. And we should just mention that like later on mindset kind of fills in the same gap that like, the first step does in the two thousands like Mindset does in like the twenty tens.
2: Yeah, except I think when Mindset comes around, you have all those React Records bands. So they're not alone. Unless I'm my timeline is off on that. But it, it seems like there was a big another big like kind of uh lump of youth crew bands in the later I guess you're right. Maybe Mindset is after even those React bands, kinda. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would have to look at it on a timeline, but I just feel like there can only be now like after like post 90s, there can only be like one of these bands every like 10 years that like carries the flag. You know. Dan, did you see this band at this time and and how did you feel about them?
1: Yeah, uh we played pretty much almost most shows with them every time they came out, I feel. Um I loved them. I, I mean, this is this is scratching me where I itch a lot, you know. Um, and it was so overblown worship that you had to just, you had to just love it because you're like, oh bless them, they fucking love Chain of Strength, <laughs> you know. They're trying to be looking exactly like two members of Chain of Strength, you know. Um, I'm talking about uh, S- Stephen and Aaron in particular being very, you know. My my uh bleach blonde pos top twins, you know it. I and I I love that stuff. I love referencing things you love because, especially when it overlaps with things I love, it really makes me just see that you have so much passion for it. So, I I loved it. Um, you had (laughs) this. You had them coming from North Carolina doing like full on youth crew moves to be photographed perfectly you have Posy chris in the northwest doing full-on youth crew jumps to be photographed per- perfectly and then you have stop and think on the east coast doing richie underdog fist pump <laughs> to be photographed perfectly it's a time that i loved because i love all the references and i love the passion that all this shit's delivered with
0: yeah this this band live was like so rehearsed though which you could take like as a positive or a negative, it really worked for them yeah. but I don't think it takes away, but I'd, I'd never seen a band of this genre be so rehearsed. Like, you know, like you would see strife in the, the mid late nineties and you could tell like the, the moves were somewhat rehearsed. The, the talking in between the songs was kind of rehearsed or very planned. And like, this was like that too. Like, and, you know, you could also tell they probably play the same set every night, which is normal for touring bands, right? We're seeing them on the West Coast, but they were super tight, super rad. I'm not saying that to take away from them. I'm just saying, like, that is, like, a an interesting point about this band to have, like, a a youth crew, hardcore punk band, like, be so rehearsed in that way. Because, you know, Floor Punch comes out, Floor Punch, Tenure Fight, In My Eyes, like, all these bands are professional and sound good, but it's a little, at least in between the songs, it's a little looser. but
1: but what i think what i think is key to point out is like those bands you just referenced like they love all of that stuff this band is drilling down into watching alone in a crowd at the anthrax or youth of today playing you know a, a, a matinee and watching how these singers go you know, blah 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 blah. What fra you know? And go into the song. They they did that like they took the speeches straight into the songs. And yeah, like you say, it was really rehearsed, but it was a love letter to what they love. I think
3: I think that's the the Tim McMahon effect, Actually, I think Tim Tim watched the videos of Youth of Today and and Jules and all of that, and these guys saw Tim take that and just sort of sort of ran with it.
2: Totally. That's yeah. why I called them the mouthpiece of Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. early 2000s. Um you're right. There's but it almost seems like we're short-shifting them like we're calling like almost like we're calling them posers like oh they're trying to be these other guys but like I think these guys were more real than the people they were trying to emulate. Like I think they were more sincere about what they were singing about than a lot of the eighties guys. I hear stories about, you know, how they were kind of full of shit, a lot of them. And it's like, these guys weren't, I knew them. I mean, I know them, you know? So it's almost like a a historical correction. Like here's how these, these awesome sounding bands in the eighties would be if they actually meant what they sang about. Now we have everything in one package.
0: But again, if it's coming through like the, the Tim filter, like Tim never fell off, you know. Oh, so there yeah, is a yeah, yeah. I'm there. sorry.
2: I, I mean, mean the the '80s bands that both Tim and uh, the First Step were worshiping. Um, right,
0: right. But it, but if they're if they're worshiping the '80s through the Tim filter, then it makes more sense. And again, I I do like that you brought that up in because we're not trying to be disparaging on this. Like the reason why there's four people on this podcast all saying that they liked them was because, despite all, like you know it was like they were doing a thing. Right. But like there was a sincerity that oozed through. They weren't cosplaying, even though it, if you were like a layman and watched it, you could be like, this is some serious cosplay shit.
2: Yeah. And this is not on Spotify, by the way, the only the LP is, which came later and is actually even better than this. So I guess you could just listen to that or you could go on YouTube or you could buy the fucking seven inch of the CD.
0: Yeah, man. Oh yeah. All right. What am I going to take? There is so much and I'm on round four. Fuck it. All right. I'm going to take the best song of the year. It's a band called angel crew. The song is dying breed. It's off their LP. Another day living in hatred came out on good life records. Good God. Wait till you guys hear this on the playlist. What the fuck? It's like, straight up perfect fast hardcore and then like fast straightforward meaty hardcore and the choruses are perfect like some like tom hits to like throw you off so it's not totally generic and like catchy like back the fuck up <laughs> back the fuck off is what he's saying on the chorus back the fuck off back the fuck off me do that let do that let do that so good dude and then when it goes into the mosh part it's like a full pause and there's this roar and I don't know if it's a lion or if it's like a demon or what the fuck it is, but (laughs) something goes and then it comes into the hardest fucking mosh on the symbols. Like do, do, die and pray. And it's like, Oh my God, you're just headbanging in your car. You're smashing foods, whatever you're doing. It is like one of those, like one off perfect songs, you know, like a, uh, like sub zero or like a lot of bands it's like they have like the one standout track not saying that like they only have one great song but they have like a song that stands like above the others this thing is so perfect and so good and i expect all your reviews again by 11am <laughs> eastern time tomorrow or uh, you guys can have till pacific time dan and ben but uh have any of you guys ever heard this before never heard uh, of all. it never heard of it yeah it's it's European. I should have looked up like what country I can Um, tell you
1: good life's Holland or Belgium, right?
0: Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So it's So,
3: it's not the band from Troy, New York.
0: It is not. Um, you know, good life put out a lot of great Euro stuff right around this time. And, uh, yeah, I love it. Can't wait to hear you guys hear it. And, uh, Everyone, like Dan said, don't just look at like the the names when we post them. Listen to the songs, because this one is the winner. All right, and Dan, let's go to you for round number five.
1: I heard uh they feature members of funeral oration.
0: <laughs> Definitely not. I think <laughs> a generational difference.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'm having to like sort my list into you know, to quote my man Drez. Do I go with this or do I go with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, because, like, I've got the HopeCon and Bane vying for a spot right now. And I'm going to have to give Bane the nod because this song is so incredible. And hopefully I can visit a HopeCon song on another year. Because I I left them off 2000, which was a travesty. And now I've left them off 2001. And I feel bad about it. But I am going Bane, Snakes Among Us. I think this whole... I say holistically a lot. I'm so sorry, listeners. I only have a fucking idiotic education. Um, I say the same words over and over again. And I say, you know, and like a lot. And I very much apologize. But I think this song, when you go musicality, it's incredible. You go lyrically, it's incredible. And then when you dive further into the lyrics and see there are certain songwriting choices that even take it to the next level. So Snakes Among Us is about basically people that shit talk and don't really appreciate what all those bands that pile in vans and go around do and they don't get to tap into the passion of what true hardcore is and then bedard utilizes this really cool songwriting method where he quotes other lyricists in it and he goes and like the man said And then he quotes Wes, I fall asleep with pen in hand. There's something you should know, which is amazing because he's quoting, he's quoting his fucking like peer from the same like scene that just put out a record like a two months before this. And it, it had so much impact on him that it is going into this song. And then at the end where it goes, And like the man said, and he quotes Nick Drake, which is the second Nick Drake reference on this (laughs) podcast tonight, you can take a road that takes you to the stars. I can take a road that will see me through. If that's not the most perfect analogy of what it takes to be in a band and shun potentially like making the wrong choice and, and you know going with a label well i mean look like uh, what no warning did or what uh what righteous jams did later on you know like taking like oh this might actually help us do things and just do the hard yards instead and this is an absolute brilliant masterpiece of hardcore songwriting that it will stand the test of time for years and years and years.
0: Love it. I mean, kingpins of the era and like people were a little disappointed in the first LP. They come back, they knock it out of the park with give blood like timeless band. Awesome. Live great record on record, very creative, great vocals, great lyrics, everything can't say enough good stuff about Bane. so. Anybody else want to jump in, or should we go to Clevo for his next pick?
3: Um, I am not going to take a Bane song, but uh, I was talking to Brannigan at work. You know, Nick Brannigan and I work together, and I was like, hey, we're recording a 2001 episode. I was like, let's talk about Bane. He's <laughs> like, okay. And then uh, we, we, we talked about this record quite a bit in the past couple of days. Um, and if I was going to take a Bane song, which I'm not, it, I would have gone with What Holds Us Down, um, just that short little, short little rager. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what else we can say about about Bane, about Bedard, you know, about the band, the band overall. I, I think like you know, they really, they really forged that path for themselves, and, and they really did it. And you know, I couldn't be prouder of them.
1: Well, it, it's interesting that you you know you work with Nick uh, because the song that he wrote was the one that I was almost going to go with. <laughs> um on uh some no not some came running uh, God, what's the one that he wrote that it's basically about uh oh release the hounds i think oh, i'm so confused right now never mind <laughs> just ignore me all i have to say is eternal thanks to bane for being the band that took us to the East coast for the first time took in control, like linked their tour to them, like and helped a million bands across this, you know, across the two or three generations that Bane kept going in. And they helped so many bands achieve, uh, the ability to play in front of tons of people they never would have.
0: Yeah. Bane and Matt Pike saved in controls ass in the year 2003. So much respect. Clevo, what's your number five?
3: All right. I'm going to switch it up. Um, I'm going to go with a band that was very prolific in the year 2001. Uh, I'm going to take the song, tear it up, tear it down by the band, tear it up, uh, which appears on their split with ETA. Um, They did like three or four splits in 2001 or released three or four splits in 2001 and released um, their own record. Um, Tons of songs. Um, you know, kind of mixing it up uh, this is this is uh you know it's it's a little thrashier, it's a little punkier um, it has a great 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 sing along sing along part um, where um, you know adding the band's name into the into the sing along I um, feel like the song has it all um this is this is the type of song that uh you know um, another band that we played a bunch of shows with around this time that you know if they played this people would just would just like come up come out to sing along because it's easy to sing along and it would just get people going. not that they really needed to help the help of getting people going, but this was the one that really brought it
0: I'm so glad they got on here because they were a a real force of this time too like they need to get mentioned, and you know I talked about like the what happens next life halt thing kind of coming like this would be the apex of that. I feel like teared up got a little bit of they were like a part of that wave, but they they weren't like LARPy at all, and so like they were able to like keep going and and not get like dragged down by the LARPiness of like the bandana thrash stuff. So they got a little little rub from like that style taken off, but then were able to like stand on their own and not be defined by a a genre that was about ready to eat its dick.
3: Uh, you know, and I think that part of it is you know they weren't you know. They weren't like wearing a uniform. They were also like just a super fun band. Not to say those other bands were, not but they were just like a super fun band to see. Um, you know, Dave, Dave's awesome dude, a total lifer. Actually, um, he has a new band, Planet on a Chain. Uh, drop a plug for them and they they put out a uh, a demo last year that got pressed to vinyl. That is is fucking great. Um, you know, just a dude who loves hardcore punk and has been in some great bands throughout
0: yeah we played a bunch of shows with them at this time and they killed it all the time like in town out of town whatever because i think we played with them somewhere in new jersey once and we definitely played with them in minneapolis ben you remember you got you played that show
2: yeah we played with them in a basement in saint paul um and felix havoc worked the door and um uh, fields of fire played with them probably 2002 at the smell in la and and I think maybe we did play with them in New Jersey too. I don't know. I I remember playing with them and seeing them a lot.
0: We didn't play with them on that tour in Jersey. It would have been a, a different tour. Um, but yeah, that St. Paul show was like the first show. Well, no, there was a lot of people at that Vegas show, like outdoors. But it was like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know. But like that was like the first like proper hardcore we show, like proper hardcore show we played on that tour probably, and that was like day seven. You know, it's too real.
1: It, it's funny, like so you had tear it, tear it up, and fast times, and a few others doing like this kind of fast thing. Then you've got the SoCal, NorCal, like you know, life's halt, what happens next, all of that, and then you've got like Western Mass. It's like there's like beacons for this kind of sound, and then Japan as well. Yeah, like you know, it that all know of each other's really. Underground records, you know. Not saying that tear it up had Underground Records, but you know what I mean. Totally, yeah,
0: and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on. No, I'm blanking on the the Euro band that used to come out every year. They were kind of a part of that too.
1: Vitamin X.
0: Yeah, Vitamin X. Right, and then Dan, thanks for bringing up the the Japanese thing because like Total Fury came out. I think the Jelly Roll Rockheads came out. Like that was a thing too around this but, time.
1: And real shit.
0: Yeah, so good, Ben. Go ahead.
2: I think you've just nailed it. I was going to say there's a... Chris Corey did a lot of bands a little later on or maybe around this time uh, that were very much based on, you know, collector core or whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm going to do a band that sounds like a very, very specific band from a long time ago, kind of whatever you call that vibe. Um, So I guess that makes Massachusetts... Oh, you mentioned Massachusetts anyway. Never mind.
1: Well, a lot of the bands were like... So you had the A.N. and, you know, true core hub of, of like, you know, Boston and Worcester. And then the Western Mass was more of this crazy, like, fast as fuck, like, absolute blinding pace and, you know, thrashy stuff. X-Files X.
3: X So X-Files X X is New Bedford. So you have... I, I don't know if that's necessarily a separate scene, but, you know, we had Boston with, like, Stop and Think and A.N. and all of those bands. And then Western Mass is, like, last in line and the prowl. So let's just say Mikey yeah. Flynn. But, like, um, you know, there's those guys out in Western Mass. Um, those X-Files X dudes are from, like, New Bedford, I think. Um, you know, bring in, bring in that. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to say too much because I might pick another one of those bands.
0: So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> toss awesome a name out there so you're off the hook uh was think i care from boston or were they from western mass
3: so they're from fitchburg um and yeah they do have i think two seven inches that come out this year but that's really
0: all i want to say about it right now <laughs> <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> all right ben let's go to you for your number five. One, all two, years right.
2: Not only is this not on Spotify, it's not on YouTube either, so you and it never came out on vinyl. So you have to buy the compact disc if you want to hear this shit old school. I mean mid school I should say. The band is Running Like Thieves and the song is called Your Version of the Truth and it's from their Same Time Next Year EP on Livewire Records. And um the CD is only $2 $2.67 plus shipping on Discogs. So, handle business yeah, as, it, as Zach man, would say. but
0: if it's 267 on Discogs, that's mean that means it's coming from Europe. You got to look oh, for those it? even numbers. Yeah, so it's like 267 it. plus like 20 bucks shipping. I'll look it, I'll look it up while you speak on it.
2: Please do. Um,
1: you know, there is paid no, no, that's 267
3: from the US with $4 shipping. <laughs>
1: Or you just pay him 267 and say, Can you just send me the MP3s? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the move.
2: So, so this is Matt Bold on vocals, uh, Tim Brooks from Bold on bass, Andy from Super Touch on drums, and some dude on guitar. So it's a fucking all star lineup. Um, this reminds me of the last Bold 7 Inch, if it were less epic and more straightforward. And, but just as musical and hard hitting. And it's like this song, Your Version of the Truth, is about gossipy two face types. Um, and Matt Bold rules. He's got this great voice. And I'm, I don't know why, like, his other bands didn't catch on the way Bold did, but I, I really like this. I, uh, Fields of Fire played with them to like nobody in Virginia in 2002. But, um, they're just like, It's weird. It's like if it's – okay, if this were jazz and Miles Davis put together a new band and you were a fan of Miles Davis, you'd fucking buy the new Miles Davis album, right? But in hardcore, if it's like Matt Bold as a new band, it's like hardcore kids think of a million reasons not to
0: support that shit. It's so funny. It's like it's the fucking guy
2: you like.
0: Yeah, but you got to remember, unfairly in my opinion, Bold was a band that was always okay to shit on. You know, which sucks because Speak Out is so rad. The comp songs are so rad. And then people like Ben and Anthony Papalardo, they love to take the whole journey and like love the the Seven Inch.
3: I have a theory about Bold. Um, The older they got, the less I like their music. I don't know if that's a theory, that's my opinion. Um, I think that Crippled Youth is the pinnacle of Matt Matt Bold's uh, career. And I think that as Bold went on, um, I like them less and less because the comp tracks. Before the LP are so much better than the LP, and I really do not like the seven inch. Um, so, um, hey.
1: um,
3: I, I just want to give an update. Reese Williams, who plays guitar on this, uh, was in Roger Murray and the Disasters, but also uh, played on the new Alligators
2: LP with the dudes from Instead. And oh Roger. shit! So, okay, thanks for looking that up. So, so it really is an he's not, so, line.
1: he's not just some random dude, but
2: yeah, someone who lo- who's yeah. really okay. tight with Roger Murray.
1: Can I get back to Ben's Miles Davis uh, (laughs) analogy real quick? Yeah. What? what, (laughs) That would be like, yeah, I was a big fan of Miles Davis on, you know, all of his early Blue Note stuff. And then he joined Smash Mouth playing horns. (laughs) And then... But I should still check out his records. That's the equivalent of that analogy.
0: It's like Rocky George showing Fishbone and me listening to that whole Fishbone record, hoping to hear a guitar solo and not getting one. And then just thought, like, why did I waste an hour of my life?
2: But that didn't happen with... Okay, so you're saying, you're saying Dan, that you hate The Last Bold 7-inch? Is that what you're getting oh, at? Oh,
1: yeah, I do. Okay. And also, you know... She, People don't hold up major label record stars to a level of integrity that hardcore people get held up to, also, you know.
0: Yeah, I also want to say that Clevo was not joking that $2.67 CD is in the United States. So someone jump on that. Who knows how that dude shout out to uh M Starolite for that interesting pricing.
2: <laughs> well if you like basis. if you like bold um check out running like thieves um it's not that different and it's cool and it's i don't think it's a retread of bold even though it's got that vibe um you know it's the guy singing it's he has that voice did you like one-sided war too i did yes um not live i saw them live once they weren't they were pretty disappointing but that i love that um that cd
0: uh the sum of days the ep Someone on Axe Grind said that they saw Matt Bold throw a football once and he threw it like the length <laughs> of an entire football field and now I can never think about him without thinking of that picture in my head and just be wait, like Fuck wait, Matt, wait, Matt, wait Matt it
3: was it, it wasn't up. it wasn't just that he threw a football it was at um the year that um posi Numbers was at some huge sports place and Matt Bold the football and chucked it like Uncle Rico across the whole place and it hit some girl in the face <laughs>
2: I thought someone caught it. I didn't know it hit someone in the face.
1: Oh, I thought it was. He did the Mr. Perfect promo where he went end zone to end zone and caught it himself.
0: <laughs> well, in my head, he does. Just he was like God a damn. thief. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, God damn, Matt Bold is like the, the ultimate dude. You know, he's Mr. Perfect of hardcore. But like,
3: apparently, he could throw like a 90 yard perfect spiral like Uncle Rico. So.
2: That's. Part of what I hate about hardcore is that that story gets brought up so much in in the context of, whoa, I really admire this guy who can throw football really well. It's like, okay, dude, like I'm a 10-yard fight fan and everything, but can we talk about fucking music or anything (laughs) other than football right now? Fucking
0: whatever. But it's it's fun. Yeah, but that's not football. That's playing catch. And like playing catch with friends is fun. And it's impressive when people can like – do cool shit right like ben if we went to the pool and you did like a perfect like double backflip off a high That's dive i would yeah i, w- I would tell the story to everyone and and hopefully some guy in a podcast wouldn't be like fucking who cares about ben's perfect double backflip off a high dive dude talk about skatepunks more
3: throwing throwing a perfect spiral is the kickflip of the football world
0: <laughs> especially yeah, that far I, dude i guess or. i
3: just
2: have a thing against football but I still like 10-yard fight. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> full of uh,
0: – I'm large. I contain multitudes. Right on. Go Raiders. All right. I'm going to take uh, a song by The Hoods or Hoods, which is always confusing to me, right? Because one time Hoods came and stayed at, at Ryan Fredette from a control's house. And it's like they don't go by The Hoods even though you want to say The Hoods. They're just Hoods. And so like his sister came in because Ryan used to like – he lived in his garage – and we'd always hang out there and drink beer or whatever. And Hoods played a show. I think it was when they played Oxnard. And yeah, so we're hanging out in the garage and his sister comes home and it's like, oh, hey, Courtney, this is Hoods. It just felt weird to say. But uh, <laughs> the song I'm taking is the song yeah. Your Turn. It's off their first LP on Victory Records, Time the Destroyer. And there are a couple of songs on this record that I like even more but this is like their first time on LP and and people forget about this era and maybe Ben's list is kind of explaining it pretty well that like stuff was like, you, you know, you would, you would put out a record and then it would like go out of print and you'd be worried about like people knowing your songs if you're a band that wants to go and play. So like a lot of bands from this era, they would like re-record songs for their next record or for their next record that they knew would be in press. So you have like multiple versions of songs and my band in control is totally guilty of this. And this is like one of the things that I hate the most. And like, I'm a total, like, uh, like I'm guilty of doing something that I totally hate. But so there's two hood songs that come out on this like three way split. It's above this world, dysphoria and hoods. I think it comes out in the year 2000 and the song unforgiven is like so good. And then the song above this world is so good but because they came out the year before, I'm not picking them, even though they're here on the LP, but you guys should check out this whole LP. It's it's great songwriting. Like if you like, you know, agnostic front one voice era. So like modern sounding hardcore, they can dip into like rhythm and then hoods add like a little heavier mosh than AF would go. But this is just so great. The song I'm choosing is a song called your turn. And it's another great song. on This record, like, fast hardcore, a little melodic, creative songwriting, and there's this like this big groovy riff part at the end. This like, I don't know, whatever the riff is, and then it kicks to like this bounce mosh, and it's so good and catchy, and this is just a band that I think that never really got their dues because they, they kind of fell in between, like they were too fast for the metalcore scene, and then like, Too metal for like the straightforward hardcore lane. And I know that they have like fans worldwide and everyone knows who hoods are. Um, but I don't, I don't think that they ever got the love that they should have. Like it's just being great songwriters. Like Mikey hood was a great guitarist and a great songwriter, you know, and now he sings in the band, but, uh, yeah, this is so ill. I absolutely love this song and, uh, everyone check it out on the playlist. Dan, what hood song are you going to take?
1: Um, is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. I, I am not taking a hood song, sorry, but I still have like seven songs I need to get on, um, and it ain't gonna happen, is it? So, this is the heartbreak before the heartbreak. Um. I am gonna take Well, let's go back to Shark Attack on the Attack. I uh, I played the I had the the My War version of this seven inch right before it got repressed on Bridge 9. And I played this song, like needle drop this song, like over and over again for a long, long time. Um it's got the mosh part where it's just a kick drum, do, do, and then, and then, we're in your fucking face! It is the best mosh part on the entire list. It is just so incredible. We've talked Shark Attack ad nauseum earlier, so I'll leave the conversation there, but listen to this and then just have that in the back of your mind that, your old uncle Daniel says that this is the best mosh part on the list and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And then listen to that angel crew song and listen to my song crowd kill Dan's song. <laughs>
1: hey, just because you have a rabid Rottweiler from Eastern Germany doing backup vocals doesn't mean it beats this mosh part.
0: Yeah, this is a great song. My favorite song on the shark attack uh, record is that blood in the water song. It's so funny because, you know, we talk about them being great songwriters and the, there's like little intricacies that make, it's the difference between like an okay band and a good or a great band. Right. And especially when you're going like nostalgic and playing like an early eighties style and that chorus on blood in the water, when it's like shark attack, shark attack, shark attack, shark attack, like it jumps on the fourth one. Yeah. It's so brilliant and catchy and just like pulls you out of like the groove that it's like, it forces you to listen to it, you know? And I just think that part is brilliant, but it's not going to make my list, unfortunately, but a heavy honorable mention and Clevo, let's go to you for round six. So,
3: um, you know, it's, it's getting tight on, on stuff to pick. Uh, but I do want to take this since we, since we brought it up in the previous conversation. Um, actually, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take this. I'm kind. Of, uh, I'm kind of going back and forth between two. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take something else. Um, I'm gonna do Written Stone by Panic on the Dying for It seven inch. Oh, um, I was gonna go think I care, but uh, I'm gonna take the Panic song. Um, I think Panic. A lot of people see Panic as being sort of this, you know, A N Junior, um, but I, I think you know Gibby's voice and. Um, I, th- I think it's, it sometimes feels maybe a little more spastic, but this song itself, the way it just comes in with Gibby, just like, you know, Gibby, just like yelling the lyrics, uh, and, and then, and then that moshy, that moshy part. And then near the end, I mean, it's a, it's a 38 second song near the end of the song. There's sort of that, like clean, the cleanish guitar break. And then it goes back into the like, I never left my friends alone. Um, you know, there's just a lot packed into a very short amount of time here.
0: Is this the kids like us will be alone no, forever? Also um, be alone together?
3: That's uh Strength and Solitude, the second song.
0: Okay, that song rips. And but you're right, this is like a short banger right into the hit, in my opinion. So I, good. Dan, you love this band. You did a whole West Coast tour with them.
1: Yeah. And so did you.
0: <laughs> That's um, right. Hey, what's up? Someone yeah, had a drive.
1: Yeah, Zach drove us and uh was it was it was such a fun tour. God, I I loved it. I absolutely love this seven inch. I'd love one, two, and three on it. Like side A is if we did a side A, side B, I think side A bodies side B. But um Like you say, the kids like us, like for the second track, but this, the way it comes in, like, and then goes to a mosh, then a sneak, and then a little bit more mosh. Like, it's so good. Um, And yeah, it's all in 30 seconds. And there's weirdly, like, when you listen to it on Spotify, there's like four or five seconds of silence before it starts. Yeah. Which is funny. Um, But yeah, all three. one two and three off a of side a are on my honorable mentions um i loved panic i love the second seven inch too um and one thing on that tour that was so funny is like anyone who's seen Gibby's like full sleeves neck completely covered in tattoos and then we stay at this place in Reading, if you remember zach and he takes his shirt off and he just has mars across his stomach and <laughs> nothing else but his neck is like covered i was I it made me stop in my tracks and go, whoa, I thought he would have been just fully RTL'd out, you know? (laughs)
3: But but he wasn't.
1: So he's got to learn those uh, vocals and come on the uh, trivia. Well, fun
2: fun fact about Gibby, he invented social media.
1: Yep. Yeah. Makeout Club.
2: Makeout Club was the first thing that was proto- Friendster, MySpace, Facebook. Um, is that right? That's how he explained it to me. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Literally everything, the way the world works now, this guy invented
0: it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a wild fun fact. Wild and true.
1: In Cleveland but, uh, always fighting his way to the front page. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ben, what track are you taking that's not on uh, Spotify?
1: Um, The next track
2: I'm taking... Oh, this is an interesting one. This one is on Spotify. It only came out as a CD. Um, The band Fury for Another, the song is called Integrity. It's from their self-titled CD, uh, full length, on Smorgasbord Records. And this might be the most obscure thing that any of us picked today. But, since, but it's great that it is on Spotify, being that, that it might, is probably the case. Spotify says it came out in 2005, which is a goddamn bald-faced lie. It came out in 2001. Um, <laughs> Zach, you mentioned playing a show with uh, In Control, Fields of Fire, and Striking Distance um, in Virginia in 2001. Fury for Another was one of the bands that we played with that night, and that's how I learned of their existence. And I got the CD that night, and I think this is a really cool thing. It reminds me kind of of the band Mick Rad. It's like mid tempo skate rock, and I was listening to it on headphones in prep or earbuds in preparation for this, and I thought, did Brian McTurnan produce this? Sure enough, he did. Um, real amateurish sounding band, but I think sometimes that works. And in their case, it does A really awesome guitar solo towards the end of the song too. Do you remember this band at all? Zach, you were there.
0: I do not. So I think we should send it to Dan and Clevo. Have you guys ever heard of this? So what's more obscure, this or angel crew?
3: Um, They're pretty, they're pretty neck and neck. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at the page now. Um, you know, they were, Looking at the people affiliated with it, they were definitely down with that DC striking distance um, for the living crew. Um, Yeah, I've actually never heard this despite, you know, being pretty familiar with with the people who are involved with it and around it.
0: I'm excited that it's on Spotify so we can check it out. Um, Yeah, fuck. We're down to two picks, dude. This is This is brutal. This is brutal um i'm going to take you know what's fucked dude is postmark my compass is still out there and it's like one of the best songs of this year like one of the best hardcore songs ever right like that that breakdown mosh part the if we throw this life away will we ever have to live out Uh, and then when the palm meeting comes in it's like good god it's one of the most brilliant pieces of hardcore Ever. But I got to give shine to some stuff that hasn't been talked about. Uh, Clevo teased us with it a tiny bit. So I'll take it because they deserve to be on here. Think I Care was a band that ripped at this time. I'm going to take the song Belong. It's off the self titled 7 Inch on Dead Alive. And fans of the pod know that we love a tasteful scissor beat. And this band smashes it out of the fucking park. Dude. So they do this scissor beat on the verse. That's like the first half of like, okay. So if a verse has like four bars, they do like scissor beat on the hi hat on the first bar. And then the second bar, they're still scissor beating, but they go to the ride and it sounds so insane and ignorant to do that. Like one little switch, like what the fuck? This whole song is like, I don't know, 50 seconds or some shit. And it is killer. It's like, that crazy ass scissor beat switching on the verses, the chorus like goes to like I don't know up tempo, up tempo mosh I guess like up tempo youth crew tom part I think it was catchy like the chorus or whatever, and then there's like a banging mosh part in here too, so it's like dude you get me with the the crazy ass scissor beat you got a catchy chorus with a tempo change you got a banging mosh the song comes in around a minute or less you just wrote a perfect hardcore song. This rules, Think I Care rules. I'm glad they're on the list. And, uh, and I get serve it up to Clevo to talk about them now.
3: Um, when I had my little brain fart when I was picking my last track, I was going between Burn by Think I Care or the Panic song. At the last minute, I took the Panic song. But um, yeah, Think I Care. Um, I remember seeing someone holding the seven inch, um, and I was like, what is that? And they were like, they were like, just, just go to that, just and buy it. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and I did. And yeah, the it's, it's fast without being like super grindy. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's pissed off. Um, I'd say if I had to like, just give like a really basic description, I'd be like, it's negative effects with mosh parts. Um, very pissed off vocals. Um, yeah, I really, I, I, I love the seven inch. And then the, so the first two seven inches, um, the first one comes out in 2000. Um, the second one comes out in 2001, but it's like, it's like two, 10 songs, seven inches in, in two years. Um, so it's just like, very, very fast, very, very angry hardcore.
0: I think that the negative effects description is is pretty perfect. You know, if you were going to do it on the most zoomed out basic level. Yeah. You know, because cause yeah, they are like super fast and brutal, but you don't ever want to describe them as like they're touching in on like being like a power violence band. They're not. They're like just as fast and brutal as you can get in like the straightforward hardcore lane, you know? Yeah. So yeah, Dan or uh, Ben, did you ever get into this band?
1: Yeah, I, have, with- I have two of those seven inches.
0: Um, Fields of Fire played
2: with them twice on our 2002 US tour. They, we kind of crossed paths uh, two separate times. They were on tour with X-Files X and we were on tour with Annihilation Time. So I want to say Minneapolis and then like t- Chattanooga, Tennessee or something. And I both those bands were just like, million mile an hour like you know i guess fast core no i guess you you just said that this band had a, had a lot of mosh parts so i i can't say i really clearly remember
0: well the nice thing about them was they're brutal they play this style but they didn't play like the long punishing set because like i always found that so ironic that a lot of the fast bands like okay you understand that we like hardcore so we like short fast songs like don't you understand we also like short fast sets like why the fuck are you playing 40 minutes of like 45 second songs like this is brutal
1: oh my god if there's any kind of band that overstays its welcome is is like 40 second song bands that do 29 songs of
0: that in a set right like come on dude like you obviously understand like the intent of the music. Like, how are you missing like this one key ingredient that like your set should also be short? What the fuck? So wild. All right. Not, damn not we're,
1: we're tarring them with that brush. We're just saying some people from this genre.
0: No, I'm saying that that was like one of the good things about them is they didn't do that. Yeah. We played with them in 2002 at the Berwick in Boston and they were awesome. Like I absolutely was blown away by it.
3: Shout out um, to the Berwick.
0: Shout out to the Berwick, dude. That place was ill.
3: Um, All right. One one quick thing on Think I Care. Um, if you ever watch Joe play bass, he plays with one finger like the entire time. Um, like on the on the fretboard, he just like slides one finger up and down. He he looks like a man possessed. Uh, it, it's it's awesome watching Joe play bass.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny, dude, is I totally forgot about that until now. But yeah, the bass player like. Like, when the song hits, he gets, like, the meanest face. Like, we, me and Ryan were laughing so hard at it. Like, I don't mean to laugh at someone, but that shit was fucking hilarious.
3: <laughs> yeah, he, like, he like z- totally zones out, looks like a fucking angry zombie, and just, like, his index finger just up and down the fretboard.
0: <laughs> it literally looks like a cartoon. You know, like, uh, if you remember, like, how the, the principal on Beavis and Butthead, when he started, like, raging... You know, he's got that, like, rage face. It's like, oh, shit. That fool's playing bass for Think I Care. This rules. (laughs) You know? (laughs) All right, Dan, let's go to you. Heartbreaker round, round number seven. Final pick.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, there's one song that I unbelievably wish I could take, but I just can't do it over us being, you know, the hardcore punk rock podcast. But I would, if my heart... (laughs) You know, wasn't conflicted by other greatness, I would definitely be taking Blink 182 Reckless Abandon. (laughs) But unfortunately, I can't because fuck the chicken up parking lot. (laughs) Um, All right. Who do I love more, Clevo or Zach?
0: (laughs) Just take Clevo so we don't have to talk about me.
1: Well,. I took this song that I was going to take on the Boston playlist. So please go back and listen to the Boston episode where we do a super seven. And I chose stop and think there. So I'm going to take in control Omega point. Now this song, well, you, Listeners, you're familiar with it already, even if you've not listened to it. On top of it, this is 20 years ago. Obviously, we very much knew about environmental um, consequences, even 20 years before this song was written. But this song is 20 years old now. And look, look the people who maintain power are doing nothing and they don't care about the poor and they don't care about the next generation they just care about lining their pockets and the lyrics to this song are short and sweet and amazing about environmentalism and the hypocrisy that lies within people who say that they are for the environment etc it's just um it's so timely today and it was an amazing song in 2001 and i can't I don't, I mean, I've left a lot of really great bands off, but I had to have In Control on my two th- 2001 playlist because the band meant and means the world to me from this era.
0: And it is our 25 to Life Mosh part. So sick tie into the pod.
1: <laughs> and Ryan occasionally will be so mumble jumbled while he's singing fast that you might even think it is Rick
0: to Life. <laughs> yeah well hell yeah much appreciated and clevo let's go to you for uh no Heart one break else
1: wants to talk about i see
0: i see rules um, i listened to this whole album um
2: maybe two days ago in preparation for this episode and i couldn't i couldn't narrow it down to a song uh to pick so I'm i glad. hope i'm glad i got picked. Yeah. i'm glad some some someone picked a song
1: I almost chose a better way just so I could really get my sweet acoustic marsh on at the end. Cause I fucking love that song as well. Um, but I had to go with, with the Omega point mosh.
3: Yeah. Same. I, I went back and knowing that I was on a podcast about a year that three other people put out records this year, I went back and listened, listened to all of them.
0: Uh, in the past couple of days, and uh, this, this is a good choice. Well, right on, Clevo. Let's go to you, round seven, the heartbreaker round. What are we taking?
3: So, a bit narrowed down to two tracks. Uh, my 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 list right now is very east coast centric, um, probably not surprising. Uh, but I want to break it up, and I'm taking something that's not on Spotify. Um, I'm going to go with the band Death Threat. Death, no space threat um uh from the Considerate War 12 inch um and I'm gonna take this song um consider it Considerate War the, the title track um just to give some shine to the this the you know this sort of this other scene that we we haven't really talked about today um you know this the Partners in Crime Records um just really a lot of great bands even though you know most of them, a lot of them shared 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 members um this is the the last uh the last release death threat has i'm pretty sure um but it's um just really straightforward fast again pissed hardcore punk um and uh just really 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 well done um fast hardcore punk um angry um you know um political uh topical lyrics um kind of everything you should want in a hardcore punk band um you know members of members of uh tragedy and from ashes rise on this record um maybe also the band no parade um but also uh you know um just kind of in between, in between the LPs from tragedy. If either of those were, LPs would have come out this year, I probably would have taken something off of that. Um, but yeah, just this whole scene, um, a lot of great bands um, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of great music, uh, not just from this label, but from this whole scene in,
1: in general. Perfect. I um, was, you know, the, can we call this life tragedy seven inch, not on Spotify either um, came out this year as well.
3: Yeah and in no way is that a bad record but when you hold it up between the the, the first two LPs which I think are perfection um yeah. you know um I I I by the time the second tragedy LP comes out um I kind of labeled them arena crust is the best way I could describe their sound cuz it's just so huge um I yeah they're they're great that I mean that I think uh that tragedy LP is my favorite LP of the 2000s of 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 any band, any, any genre of music. So, um, but yeah, Death Threat, Death Threat also, you know, if you haven't listened to them, if you, I mean, I don't know if you haven't heard them, but they have tons of records, uh, two, they have an LP, this, this is a 12 inch EP, but, um, all all great stuff.
2: I saw them, uh, the pickle patch. Fuck what year would that have been? I don't know. 99 or 2000,
0: maybe a little late, a little later. Death threat. Let's see. It would have been right in that time frame. It's like the 90s, 98 to two thousand one time. They put out uh, that split with Talk is Poison. Yes, and and it might have been around that time. They might have been touring on that band. I remember it.
2: Yeah, one word death threat. I n- I know two word death threat gets talked about more, but maybe just in the circles I'm find myself in. Uh, I, I, I saw most of these bands actually. I saw Tragedy, played with Tragedy, and um, what was it? His Hero's Gone, definitely. Severed yeah. Head of State. Um, at From Ashes Rise. I saw all these bands. It's funny, and I never really was into any of these bands. They just happened to play shows that I went to or played, and I kind of feel like if some kid was like, God damn it. I wish I could have been there. I'd be like, dude, we could totally like time warp <laughs> trade places. Like it's fine. It's okay.
0: All right. Well, yeah. moving on from, uh, from Ben's, uh, down ticket stub, memory ticket stub, memory lane. Uh, let's go to your seventh pick Ben heartbreaker round.
2: All right. Um, this is another one that's not on Spotify. <laughs> um, right on. It's uh but it is on YouTube. Um it's a 7-inch that came out on Captain Wiley Records. It's the band Youth Riot and the song is called Abandoned Abandon the Ranks of the Living Dead and the name of the 7-inch is Burn Glendora to the Ground. Um Youth Riot was a post dirty dirt in the dirt's band. I think Travis was in Dirty Dirt I can't remember what he played but he sings in Youth Riot and they're from this suburb of LA called Glendora and I just thought it's like the most punk thing in the world just being like burn the fucking city we're from to the ground. That's how much we fucking hate the place we're from. I think that's awesome and like um, the thing about them is like they're this really fun old school sounding hardcore punk band with funny lyrics almost like Dez era Black Flag but with less harsh vocals and sloppier playing and 2001 really needed this shit because the biggest bands of this this era were not playing this style at all at the time you know it doesn't fit into all those little micro styles i was talking about at the beginning of the episode and they were just like this fun band and i i remember the, they played the last life's halt show ever and a, billion people went to that and for some reason travis couldn't be there or he was sick or something and so they had the guy who put the record out jason wiley captain wiley um be the singer and it's like you just have to see this guy he was like this totally not a front man it was the weirdest thing in the world like imagine like your nerdy friend who like you you can't imagine this guy singing and he's singing in front of like you know he's in a hardcore band in front of like 800 people so that, that was a funny moment. But Youth Riot was...
0: <laughs> ben, yeah. you, you talk like you're Zoli Teglis. Oh, does he talk that way? <laughs> no, like you're clowning on him inf- for Whatever.
2: Budapest, Hungary, on, 1991. I met a boy named Jason Wiley.
0: <laughs> right on. Yeah, this is sick. I have this 7-inch. I got to dig it out. I'll post it on Instagram this week with all the the pics of these records that I have, I don't know how much I have of this, all of our picks on vinyl. Um, thinking about it now, but yeah, Dan, you remember this band. Did you ever play with them?
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed the, uh, levity. Like Ben says that they would bring to, you know, some scowling face scene at the time. Although for the most part in Southern California, we had lots of fun at all the shows regardless, but yeah, the, the, They were really fast. I loved the name of the band, and I I loved uh, the humor associated.
0: Yeah, and burn Glendora to the ground. Great, because ultimate suburb, right? Yeah. Like, when you just think about stereotypical suburb, Glendora, hey. All right. (laughs) Heartbreaker round, my seventh pick. God damn, I have so much shit I want. I will say I got most of it, so that is cool. Um. All right. Well, there's a gentleman on this podcast. His name is Daniel Sant. He played in a band called Overminded Body, and he also usually on these Super Sevens makes egregious picks with uh lots of asterisks, and able to get multiple things on when you're supposed to choose one. <laughs> so for my seventh pick, I'm gonna take side A of the Overminded Body No Runners Seven Inch. Um, these three songs kick ass, and I think that you can't have one without the other, right? So these songs are all super short and awesome in their own way over in a body. The way it starts in with like the, the vocals being on the toms is actually like really creative and then switching to the hi-hat. So you're kind of like grooving for a minute. And then you go to the, for Daniel, someone that sounds a little bit like a uh, fat Mike, you go to the no effects, leave <laughs> it alone. Beat. You, you start playing the leave it alone. Beat as a tribute to uh shout out smelly. And then it kicks out to a really catchy riff, da 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 da, you know, with Daniel singing on the brakes, and kicks in to a sick mosh of I Will Never Give Up on Straight Edge. An anthem that I've carried with me my entire life since. All right. <laughs> second, second song, Be There, is uh Rob Moran talks about it as kind of like his tribute to seven seconds because it's like one riff the whole way through, which is really cool because we talk about like the difference between You know, okay, hardcore bands and good or great hardcore bands. It's like little intricacies you put in. Here's someone that's pulling off writing a whole song, this one riff. Epic. Because there's lots of bands that do that, right? Like Young Till I Die, it's just a variation on one riff, you know? And this is like the the over my body melodic song and super catchy. The end is nice. Rob's vocals are amazing. They're juxtaposed with Daniel's very nicely. And this is a killer song. And then third, Straight edge kids under 18, Dan don't respect or under 21. If you're under 21, you're straight edge. Dan Sant does not respect you, so don't vote for his list. Vote for mine. Drug uh, free adult. This one is the Over My Dead Body Scissor Beat Banger and uh, absolutely love it. So for my round seven, I am taking side A of Over, Over My Dead Body No Runner 7 Inch, came out on the Mighty, Mighty Indecision Records 2001. Dan, how do you feel about this pick?
1: It's a great pick. (laughs) You know what's funny is I don't think there's any 185 Miles listeners that are under 21.
0: (laughs) Shout out if there are, though.
1: I hope there is. Um, Yeah, no, I think I've mentioned it in the past, but Drug Free Adult was about tons of people claim straight edge and run a ton of people off from punk and hardcore uh, in the name of Straight Edge, and then they sell out instantly. And that was something I saw happening, and it just irked me. So it's <laughs> I've had to answer for the doesn't mean shit till you're 21 over and over again, but it's basically saying, like, think about what you're doing. <laughs> Even though probably the sentence of saying, think about what you're doing, is more lyrics than are in the song.
0: Uh, yeah, but... Daniel, we we got an email here from uh, Luke from Belgium, and he says these lyrics still offend me to this day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Luke.
0: Right on,
2: Ben. I I have a a gripe with your pick, Zach. You said every song on side A, so you left off a song. Your ex, the 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 faith cover, is also on side A, unless Discogs is wrong.
0: I think that's side B, no? Let me, uh, <laughs> Dan, do you remember your side A, side B split, or do I have to go run and get the 7-inch?
1: <laughs> I think Ben is right, and I think No Borders and Neanderthal Convention are side B. If I, oh, right on.
0: I well, I'm taking the, I'll take the first three songs off side A, so it's not as egregious of a pick.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I do love that the egregiousness is a tribute to my antics on this podcast, so... Thank you for the tribute.
0: I figured I would get a pass. <laughs> uh, Clevo, how do you like this seven inch?
3: Um. Yeah. Another another record I went back and listened to uh, this week. Um, I I think that when we came out to California, I think I don't think the record was out yet. Was it, Dan?
1: Um. It it yeah. I think it. I think it had come out. <sighs> I'm not sure though. I. I don't remember much. We also had an LP that came out this year that I'm glad the seven inch is probably being talked about more than the LP.
3: Yeah. I, um, actually, uh, the one thing that I thought was weird is the, the cover in the middle of it. Cause it kind of takes me out of it. Um, you know, like the, the faith cover. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the song, the songs themselves stand up on their own and the faith cover, like kind of took me out of it. And then like, side B less so like, you know, and then like when the, the cover comes out at the end too. Um, so yeah, if you have a time machine, go back, take the covers off of your record. You don't need them. (laughs) Well, I I,
0: I think that's fair. We should keep needling Daniel on this after uh, I put him on such a pedestal because (laughs) also like, you know, at this time we, we talk about like kind of the start of like the demo core thing and people have an eBay or, or, some people starting to get high-speed internet around 2001. I don't think I got until, oh, oh six some shit. I was way late, though. But I'm sure some people had it here and were, like, file sharing. And, uh, yeah, but, Dan, like, you know, sometimes people would put a cover on because it's like, oh, no one ever heard this before. Like, when In-Control put Stalag 13 on our 7-inch, like, that shit was, like, hadn't been in print outside of Lost and Found for, like, 20 years, you know, or 15 years. But the two covers you put on are a, a Discord song and the fucking Sex Pistols. It's like yeah, two of the I will easiest say, things. I will
3: say on. that despite Faith being on Discord, Faith flies under the radar. Um,
0: Fair, but it was, it was still in print and easy to get. It's like an easy thing to find. And
3: especially, why would you listen to the Faith when you can listen to Void? I know it's on a different record, but...
0: <laughs> they both kick ass. What's up?
1: <laughs> well, we... Okay, I've got a few things here. Yep. First and foremost... Uh, Sex Pistols has been out of print for years. Like no one's ever heard that. <laughs> <laughs> or, but, but something about that song that's pretty cool is, um, so my football team, Manchester city got bought by, uh, the Prince of Abu Dhabi and, and then started buying like really good players. And the guardian did an article about Manchester city references, like from, you know, back when we were an obscure club And I yell Manchester City Football Club at the end of that song, and that's in the Guardian article. It's like, some obscure hardcore band from San Diego, California. Amazing. Anyway. That's
2: so cool. Which,
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty rad. And then um, we talked about Striking Distance earlier. Well, Striking Distance used to do a Void cover, and we would do the Faith cover, and when we played together all the time, we would do the... (laughs) It was like a live version of the split. And then um, I think doing the Sex Pistols song was a mission statement for us to say that punk is a very important part of hardcore. Um, right on. We did I, it. There,
0: there, there's more punk bands than just Sex Pistols, though, Dan. Need to bring oh. it to you.
3: <laughs> Shout out to John Lydon for being an Arsenal supporter and nothing else.
0: <laughs> yeah shout, shout out to,
1: to that picture of him being like absolutely huge <laughs> with a fucking upside down frown on his face
0: well shout out to the crystal palace fans the crystal palace fans and the sholos fans aka the real ones what's up
1: Zach, i'm going to city versus palace on saturday
0: well thanks for dating the pod <laughs> and uh but let's go to dan, dan were you going to say something real quick before i go to dan for honorable mentions
2: Yeah, um, I listened to this in preparation for this episode and I'm glad you picked the the two uh, songs on my shortlist, Zach, which are Over My Dead Body and Drug Free Adult. And when I was listening to it, I'm like, you know, when you get that, well, maybe Zach, you wouldn't know about this, but like when a straight edge kid is listening to a straight edge song sung by a really, really pissed off singer, you just go, fuck yeah, fucking straight edge. That's how I felt like 20 years later listening to this. I'm like, fuck, yeah. So props to to Dan Sant for being the the most pissed off straight
0: edge dude. Right on. Okay, Dan, let's go to you for honorable mentions.
1: Okay. Um, the Hope Conspiracy Escapist off of the Bridge 9 7-inch, uh, File 001, I think the 7-inch is called which also has an incredible cover of Treason on there. Um, also, the Find Him and Kill Him demo, uh, Throwdown, <laughs> Program and Trust, Fields of Fire, Skatepunks, Suicide File, The Somme and Ashcroft, um, Stop and Think, Get Lost, um... Blink-182, Reckless Abandon, and American Nightmare, Postmark uh, My Compass, which is insane that that song is not on this list.
0: Right on. Clevo, Honorable Mentions.
3: Um, for tracks, uh, I have some tracks and I have some, some just So for actual tracks, uh, you know, burn, think I care. I, I mentioned earlier off my chest, carry on what holds us down Bane. Uh, no love Go- goes unpunished hope con from that same file. 03 record, uh, control freak by out cold. Um, two very borderline songs. One I'm surprised Dan didn't take, uh, full disclosure by Fugazi from their last LP. Um, also, Maybe not hardcore, but uh used for glue by rival schools um is a fucking jammer, even if it's not a hardcore song I don't care um and then some records um uh tragedy can we call this life um actually, something that I wish we would have talked about is the life's halt, life's halt side of the What's Happen, what happens next split two tracks in particular now I get it um talking about um you know just sort of being kind of in front of the whole like male dominance thing. And then, um, um, the song, I always screw up the name Casa de Herrera, Cuchillo de Palo. Do not make fun of my pronunciation because it's terrible. Uh, I just love, you know, life's halt, uh, you know, owning, singing, singing in Spanish. Um, I, I love when bands do that, um, owning their heritage. Um, also no parade, ceaseless fire, uh, last in line crosswalk, uh, uh, the Snobs had two seven 7-inch that came out this year. Uh, Limprist had two seven inches that came out this year. Um, the DOS Oath Corporal Cultural Ten Inch. Um, Severed Head of State No Love Lost. Uh, Nine Shocks Terror Paying Homage. Um, the Reagan SS side of the John Brown Army split. Um, and a couple demos that came out this year the Invasion demo, uh, the Some Girls demo, and the Suicide File demo. And then lastly, two bootlegs slash questionable things uh misfits 12 hits from hell boot that came out that got shelved really quick and then uh the infest live at kxlu record came out this year i know it's cheating but it's fucking ripper
0: for honorable mentions we will accept it ben let's go to you honorable mentions
2: all right um i had that kill your idols album the snobs i also had those the control ep and the school's outlet skate ep uh i had the burn song decay i talked about The band All put out an album called Live Plus One with The Descendants. It's like a double CD. The Descendant shit doesn't count because it was recorded in 96. The All stuff does count because it was recorded in 2001. Naked Raygun also put out a live album from 2001 called Free Shit. Planes Mistaken for Stars Fuck With Fire LP. Zero Zero AM Gold. Zero Zero is not hardcore, but it's two dudes from Lifetime, so... Whatever, I didn't pick it anyway, so don't get mad at me, Zach. TSOL have a song called Automatic, which is on their comeback album Disappear, which came out in 2001. There's a, there's a live version of that on a CD sample, like a Nitro Records CD sampler that's better than the studio version. So if I had picked it, it would have been the only song ever that only appears on a CD
0: sampler, but I, did, but I didn't pick
2: it, and, and that's all I got.
0: <laughs> right on. Um, let me see. I only i narrowed my short list down to things that were on Spotify just uh I care about the people, so there's lots of stuff that is not on Spotify. I love that Cleveland brought up the life Salt web as next split because those life salt songs are awesome, and it's like I think that's, that's' kind of a perfect ending for that band um you know i was I always love the the demo is wild and then the seven inch was like my favorite stuff they did and then the way I remember it, you know, and from the time, I felt like the no reply side was so much better on the Life's Halt split. And the, that was like not the best life salt material. And then upon listening to it now, I think I'm wrong. You know, and, and the Life Salt side is actually really good. But I remember the time thinking it wasn't their best stuff. And that they really bounced back with this side of that split. So I was really happy that it it happened and that's like where they ended. But uh yeah, Stoke got mentioned. Uh, Dan, you already mentioned that American nightmare song, which might be the best song of the year and is on no one's list. Um, I had two other faded gray songs that were backup reminder part two and the great divide, uh, the great divide being the best song on side a and side B being one of the greatest pieces of hardcore of all time. Uh, the dwarves, the song follow me, which is a really cool Ramones esque song. And let's see what else. Oh, I didn't realize that Striking Distance was 2001, so fuck me, and uh, please don't hurt me, Dave Bird. But I would have taken Fail Me or Hated are the best two uh, songs on there. And good God, man, this was a killer year of hardcore. It was hard to uh, to narrow everything down, but we did it. I think all these lists are good. Dan, did you want us to do a summary of what everyone picked if if Ben kept track?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's always great for you know, as a lead in to people then putting down their podcast app and opening up their Spotify or going to 185Milesouth.com, clicking the link for the Spotify list and uh, diving in and checking some of these tracks out because I mean we love talking hardcore, but what gets us off even more is if we talk hardcore, then you listen to it and then give us feedback on what you thought of the songs and what songs would make your list from this year. That really is what we really actually want from the pod more than anything, is is to hear back from you lot.
0: Ben, did you keep track or should I go with my shitty keeping track here?
1: You
2: I'll, you want me to read, read the whole thing?
0: Yeah, who who read the picks and then we'll get out of here.
2: Okay, Dan picked American Nightmare. I see you are feeling Drake. No warning, a day in the life. Faded Gray, the emo solution. Carry on, broken strings. Bane, snakes among us. Shark attack on the attack. In control, Omega Point. Clevo picked American Nightmare. There's a black hole in the shadow of the Prue. Shark attack, CCP. Striking distance, ready to die. Burn the bait. Tear it up tear it up tear it down panic written in stone one word death threat consider it war i picked carry on rethinking champion harrison and broadway fields of fire skate punks the first step as it is running like thieves your version of the truth fury for another integrity Youth Riot, Abandon the Ranks of the Living Dead. Zack picked Kill Your Idols, Funeral for a Feeling. Faded Grey, A Quiet Time of Desperation. Ringworm, Take Back What's Ours. Angel Crew, Dying Breed. Hoods. Yeah. Not not the hoods, not the hoods. Hoods, Your Turn. Think I Care, Belong. And then for Zack's seventh and final pick, Over my dead body, over my dead body, be there, drug-free adult.
0: Yeah. All right, everyone. We will post later this week uh, our lists, and you can vote on them. So check out 185 Miles South on Instagram. We love you all, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday.